Welcome to the Social Dallas Podcast. Today you'll hear an uplifting message from our pastor, Robert Madu. Our hope is that your relationship with God would flourish like never before. I have never in my entire life been more excited to start a series than I am today. I'm not just excited, I also feel a weight of responsibility. Because over the next six weeks, we are going together as a church family talk about something that affects every single person in this room. It affects every single person watching online. I don't care who you are. Every single person has to deal with relationships. Relationships. That's what we're going to talk about for six weeks, relationships. The nuances, the intricate details of relationships. If you think about it, most of the issues and the drama in your life right now is because of a, come on somebody, it is a relationship. You generally don't have a problem with God, right? Come on, God is good. Uh, Obviously the church people walked right into that. God is good all the time and all the time. I don't have issues with God. God is amazing. He is the best Valentine ever. He is faithful. He is consistent. He always hears me when I call. He is there for me. He doesn't leave me. He doesn't forsake me. My issue is not with God. In fact, a lot of people that are from saying, I can't stand God. If you really get to the root of it, they actually don't have an issue with God. They had an issue with a person that claimed they represented him. It's always a relational problem. It's relational issues. Do you know most of the prayer requests, most of the calls for counseling, uh, most of uh, the note cards that are filled out that says, hey, I'm believing for a miracle in this area, it is all around a relationship. That's what people are dealing with. So I think it is incumbent upon us to talk. We need a conversation about relationships. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to like this series. Now look at the person you got an issue with and say, you really going to like this series. <laughs> Another reason I really felt a weight on this series is because one preacher once told me that if you want to know what to preach, start with what breaks your heart. I'm telling you what's breaking my heart right now is seeing how many marriages, how many relationships are falling apart. How many people after years of marriage are now calling it quits. That's what's breaking my heart. So I think we need to talk. That's why I called the series, Can We Talk? I love our church. I really do. It's the best church on the planet. And... uh, One of the things I love about our church is that our church is diverse. It's diverse in culture. It's diverse in age. And so when I said that the title of the series is Can We Talk, I know how your mind works. So some of you, as soon as you heard that the series was Can We Talk, your mind immediately went to... And some of y'all have, I don't know what that is. Did that just come out? But I love it. Our church is diverse. Our church is diverse. Some of you, some of you, as soon as you heard the series was, can we talk? Because our church is diverse. I love this. You didn't go to Tevin. Maybe you went to this right here. You went to this right here. 
Good old Bonnie. Let's give him something to talk about. Talk about love. And because we got a bunch of young people up in our church, as soon as you heard that the series was Can We Talk, your mind went straight to this right here. Irrespective, irrespective of what song or what playlist your mind went to, before we jump into this series, and I know this is just number one of six weeks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a commitment of you. I'm going to ask a commitment of you. It's a big ask. But I'm going to ask that you show up to all six services of this series. Can I ask that of you? If you got to miss one, go on our YouTube page and watch it afterwards. And the reason I'm asking you to watch is because I believe God is going to do a revolution as it relates to relationships in our church. And if you want a revolution in a relationship, how many know you have to make an investment? If you want to win in anything, you got to invest in it, spend some time in it. It is amazing to me how people will spend more time investing in a Netflix series than they will in their spirituality. You will binge watch hours of you, but you won't do anything to take care of you. You will stay up watching an Ozark episode after episode, but then you'll go on YouTube, oh, I can't watch that message, it's an hour long. And no wonder our relationships are falling apart. You cannot have a return on anything that you have not made an investment in. So that's all I'm going to ask as your pastor is over the next six weeks, you can skip church after that. Invest, invest in relationships. The second thing I'm going to ask as we jump into the series is I'm going to ask you to pray for me. Whew. Pray for your boy. Here's why I need you to pray for me. I have been giving a daunting task, huge task. Because I've got to talk about relationships, which are tricky. And then I've got to hit every single one of y'all in this room. This is an eclectic group of people. That This is a daunting task. Like, let's just do the survey right here. How many of you right now in this room, raise your hand if you are single. Can I see your hand if you're single? Raise your hand. No commercials, just raise. <laughs> raise one hand. Yep, yep, I want to talk to y'all. I want to talk to y'all in this. Keep it lifted, keep it lifted. I'm trying to help you out now. Why you put it down so quick? You single? Okay, keep it lifted. Now, raise the other hand if you're single and you desire to get married. Let me see that other hand. Hallelujah, lift them both up. I see those hands. Okay, you, you can put it down. Now notice, I'm already preaching in my distinction. I'm already preaching my distinction. I said, how many of you are single? And I said, raise your hand if you actually desire to be married. Ooh, see, by that distinction, I'm saying, there are some people who are single and are actually content in being single. And I think we ought to normalize the people who say, hey, I'm good. And y'all going to try to skip out on the series too. But no, you still need community. You still need relationships too. But that's in the Bible. There are some people who have a call to singleness, and that is cool. That is cool. I am cool with that. But I do want to make sure that your desire to be single is truly rooted in the call and not in giving up because your desire has been extinguished by disappointments and past experiences. I, I want to talk to a whole lot of people. I, I want to talk to those of you who, I want to talk to those of you who are dating. Can I see your hand if you're dating somebody? Okay, you dating, you dating. Are, are, you, are you dating biblically? You doing it biblically? 
You realize, stay with me. You realize that there is no biblical model for dating. Give me your scripture on dating. In that culture, there wasn't no dating. Two parents got together, said, you got a boy, I got a girl. You didn't even know you was playing in the sandbox. So they're going to be together. You didn't even have a decision in that culture. It was arranged for you. And as crazy as that sounds in our culture, please understand that most of those marriages actually lasted longer. Because they came from a cultural context that marriage is so serious. That marriage is so beyond you that you don't even have the cognitive aptitude to make the right decision. That is a decision that must be made in the context of community. But in our individualistic culture, it's like, please, can't nobody tell me. I know which one is the one. I'm telling you, yes, he got a record, but he's the one. I want to talk to you. I, I want to talk to those of you who are engaged. Can I see your hand if you're engaged? Let me see your hand. You engaged? <laughs> Keep it lifted. Come on, this is a for real survey. Keep it lifted. Your hand, you're engaged. Let me see your hand. Engaged. And... And he actually bought the ring, like, and he, and he proposed. Not like it's in his head, and he told you seven years ago. Okay. I want to talk to y'all. I want to talk to y'all. I want to talk to those of you who, who are single again. Single again. And doesn't that throw off your equilibrium? That'll give you vertigo. <laughs> to go through the pain of the divorce or the second divorce and now you're out here again. Or to experience the tragedy of losing a spouse. I want to talk to those of you who are single again. I want to talk to those of you who are single and you don't know it. Let me explain. Some of you are in a relationship. You're in a marriage, but you don't know that you're single. And I want to help some of you. Thank you, God, for setting it up because it's the day before Valentine's Day. Because some of you that are for real single that's going to be boohooing, eating a pint of ice cream tomorrow because you think the greatest tragedy is to be somebody that's single and you're going to be crying tomorrow because nobody sent you flowers. That is not the tragedy. The tragedy is the woman who will get the flowers tomorrow. But she doesn't even know that her husband left her four years ago. And he's going through the motions, because guys will do that. And then he'll reach a place where he's like, I don't love you anymore. I'm leaving. And she will be dazed and confused, because somebody will leave you emotionally before they ever leave you physically. Talk to y'all. Talk to y'all. I want to talk to those of y'all who are in a situation. Yeah. I, I want to talk to those of you. I want to talk to those of you who are Married. Can I see your hand if you're married? Can I see your hand if you're married? Come on. Keep it lifted. Keep it lifted. One hand. One hand in the air if you're married. All right. Keep it lifted. One hand. Raise the other hand if you're happily married. <laughs> Put it down. Put it down. Oh, I want to see who's really going to do that. I want to see who's going to be like. 
happily married. Now, that's what I want to talk about, too. Bring, 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 my, bring my whiteboard out here, because I want to talk about that phrase. Again, this is just the intro. This is the appetizer. Happily married. Ha- haven't you heard that a lot? Happily. What does that mean? No, for real. What does happily married mean? We have been saying this for years. Happily married. What does that mean? What does that look like? Thank you, gentlemen. What does happily... Married... What? What does that look like? Somebody explain to me. This open mic. Somebody, somebody, like, draw the picture of what happily married looks like. What what is that? Since we keep saying happily, because this is interesting to me, because I'm trying to figure out, is this even the question we should be asking? Are you happy? That's an interesting premise to engage a relationship on. On happiness? What does it mean to be happily married? I'm questioning this word right here. Is the purpose of marriage to make you happy? Or what if it's to make you holy? I wonder if it's to make you healthy. I wonder if the purpose of marriage is to be so in love with somebody that your relationship actually makes you become what you could not become without them. But we started talking about happily married. Is that a way to engage in a relationship? Can you imagine, can you imagine having a trainer, having a trainer and saying, hey, I really want the basis of our relationship to be for you to make me happy. I want abs, but let's make sure we stay happy in our workouts. You are not getting no abs because blurpees don't make you happy. But if you want to get healthy, you better do some blurpees. If you want a trainer to make you happy, then they're going to show up to the workout with biscuits. And then you're going to be mad when you got a gut and not a six pack. So you can't engage talking about, I just want to be happy. We got to get the right picture of what we even want in the first place. Can you just say picture? Oh, I feel like preaching. There's more notes in my head than are in actuality. Have you ever played Pictionary? I love Pictionary. I love Pictionary. I love playing Pictionary like spouse, spouses, couples versus couples. If you want to test your marriage or your dating relationship, play Pictionary with another couple. I love Pictionary. Pictionary is great because Pictionary makes everybody a horrible artist. Yes, there are no Picassos in Pictionary, okay? I don't care how good you can draw. Because the beauty of Pictionary is, ooh, actually the tension is that there is a timer. There's a timer. So it's not like you got all day to make a work of art. So you already start Pictionary, hear me, with pressure. Because time is of the essence. You don't got time to sit up there all day and be Rembrandt. The time is ticking. And I love Pictionary because the whole purpose of Pictionary is to get the person that is on your team to get the picture. That's what you want. You want them to get the picture. Now, it would be easy for them to get the picture if they could see the note card that you're supposed to draw the picture of. But that's breaking the rules. They can't see what's on the note card. And it makes it furthermore frustrating that you cannot talk in Pictionary. There's no communication. So the challenge of Pictionary is to get the person that is on your team to get the picture that is on the card. 
and to get them to get the picture not necessarily as it is but how you draw it hmm. because if I'm going to draw it I've got to have an idea of it in my head and you can't see the card and I can't communicate so it can be very frustrating to have somebody on your team to cannot get the picture that you are trying. Oh, and you can get so frustrated that you will look at somebody that's on your team and say, I don't want you on my team anymore. Give me somebody else on my team that's going to get the picture that I'm trying. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking to you about what relationships are. The challenge of relationships is that you will get a word. They ought to call it picture married. Because you're trying to get your spouse to get a word that is clear on paper that they can't see, but you're only going to draw out the idea of that that is in your head. So what happens? What happens, ladies, when you pull the card and it says, husband? And you're trying to get that man to get that it's husband. Let's add to it. Husband who provides. You're only going to draw what your image is of a husband that provides. And where did that image come from? Your past experiences? Your father? And you can be drawing something that is an image in your head, and he can be confused, trying to guess it. Huh? Don't you say, huh? Not getting it. Because you can only draw what is in your head. So if you're drawing husband that provides, let's just have fun with it. You might draw. I'm an artist. You might draw that. It's Valentine's Day. That's a heart. That's a heart. So that's what you draw. That's what you draw. And that man is looking at you like, heart surgeon? No! Care bear? No! Because your idea of a man that provides is somebody... Speak, Lord. Angels are descending. Your idea of a husband that provides is somebody that fulfills your emotional needs. I need, you to, I need you to talk to me and tell me your inner feelings. I want to know, you don't ever talk, so that's your... But what if that's not the idea of a husband to him? What if, see, the picture in his mind might not be a heart. It might be some money. So he's coming home talking about, what you mean you ain't happy? You see this house? What you mean you need more? You don't see this electricity? I just bought you a car. And he's defining it by what he is doing. He doesn't get why you, I, I need more. <laughs> but we got to get the right expectation and the right image. So we're dry. you could do this all day. You, some of you could have the man that's giving it to you emotionally, giving you the money, but has no spiritual depth. He got hustle, 
got a little heart, but he ain't holy. So every time you're like, can we please go to church today? Man, we went last month. And you're dragging him spiritually. What, what's the image that's in your head? Because this is what happens in relationships. We are drawing the ideas that are in our head, trying to get the person on our team to get it. And when they don't get it, as the time is ticking, we give up and we walk away. Ooh. Ain't you going to get the ladies too? Yeah, I'm going to get the ladies too. Everybody's going to get God in this series. All my fellas, make some noise. Y'all want to play Picture Mary? So you get the card, and you get wife. Let me say it the way I want. Wifey who holds it. Down. Wifey who holds it down. That's your card. She can't see your card. Now you got to draw it. What is that in your head? What is a wifey that holds it down? It's going to be different for everybody. Whether you want to admit it or not, you have an idea. You will only draw out the idea that is enlarged in your mind. And so when you draw a wifey that holds it down, that's the skirt. And that's the, you know how we do. Let me get there. You know, let me get to my eyes there. This is just grade A. Get them edges, and you know, or without, whatever you want. What is a, what does that look like? What is a wife who holds it down? What is she holding? What is she holding? For some fellas, oh, it's easy. Holding a baby. I'm going to provide. You take care of these kids. What if that's not her vision? So hold it down. What if she thinks a wife holds it down? It's not holding the baby. It's holding the briefcase. Uh, I have a career, okay? I had a career before I met you. I don't know what you thought was going to change, okay? I am an entrepreneur, okay? So that's her idea. And you thought you had Susie Homemaker. She's like, no, I got a boy. I got a meeting too. <laughs> what, what, is, is your image of your mama, is it not holding a baby or holding a business? Is it like bacon because you want her to cook and you frustrated, mad every day, DoorDash every night? <laughs> what is your image? No, for real, I want to know because whether you want to admit it or not, you have an image in your head and you will only draw out the image in your head. No wonder the Bible says we must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. If I have the wrong image, I'll be drawing the wrong picture and you won't. What, do, what, is it, what does it look like? What does she look like? What is a wifey that holds it down? Maybe you don't care about none of that, but you want some curves. You're like, why is it a stick figure? Come on, give her give something else. Oh, it's going to get a lot worse than that in this series. And that what it, I laugh at the guys that are so obsessed with the positioning of protoplasm. And I know you need attraction. I know you need attraction. But some guys, that's all they think about. That's all they think about. That's all they want. And they mess around and get that. And then you start having a conversation. 
And you realize that positioning of protoplasm and the physicality born with or bought was all good. But as you actually start having conversation, you're like, do you have a brain? Do you have a thought at all? No, if we can't talk real in church, this is the problem right now. Because nobody talks about this. And you're worried about that one little thing. You can't do that all day, every day. Sooner or later, you got to have a conversation. You better marry a friend that you can just talk to. Can we talk? For a minute? Do you have any depth? What, 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 are you, what are you looking for? You got to get the image right in your head. What, 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 if, what if the card is sex life? How do you draw that? How do you draw sex life? Because I can only draw the image in my mind. So if I've been addicted to pornography since I was 12, something that is not real is a performance. I'm going to have crazy expectations in the bedroom because I have perverted my mind. And I'll be drawing out an image that is not reflective of the way God intended it. Can we talk? Because relationships and marriages are hemorrhaging and falling apart. And part of the problem is because we don't even have the right image of what it is in our mind. We've been getting our picture from the culture. And no wonder it's falling apart because we were not created to get our image of relationships and of marriage from the culture. We were created to get it from the God who designed us, who made us, who wants you to flourish in your relationships. You've got to come to his word to get the right picture. Is this helping anybody in here today? Over the next six weeks, I want us to get the right picture in our head. I want us to look at relationships from a biblical framework, from what God says about relationships, from what God wants in our relationships. This is, let me take down this art piece before y'all be trying to take a picture of it and make an NFT and sell it on the internet. It's great A drawings. I want to talk about marriage just for a second. In my mind, and I'm no expert, I'll talk about that in a minute, there are three categories of marriages. Three categories. You can even make this transferable to our relationships. Number one is the category that everybody really wants. You want a marriage that is majestic. Majestic. I love that word, and I'll selfishly say the reason I love it is because me and my wife got married at the Majestic Theater in downtown Dallas. I love that word majestic. Not, not perfect, but majestic. Majestic means it has dignity. It has honor. I believe God wants to restore honor to marriages. Do you realize people have lost the honor and the dignity of marriage in the culture to the point that social scientists are saying that it is impossible to be in a monogamous relationship? 
then it's impossible to be with one person the rest of your life because there's been so many failed marriages that they now said, well, let's just succumb. This is not even possible. But God is calling you to have a majestic marriage, one that has honor, one that honors God and has dignity. Say majestic. Oh, it's beautiful to have a majestic marriage. And the reality is that's what everybody really wants. Come on, that's really the goals. The goals that everybody really wants is to have a marriage that honors God, that you grow closer to God and closer to each other. It's so funny to me, the songs that we sing, like I love hip-hop, I really do, but I like intellectual hip-hop, okay? Some of the themes, some of the themes, not only are they repetitive in hip-hop, but you have to disconnect your brain to actually bob your head to it because it does not make sense. If you really think about what they say, you don't really want that. This is the most grotesque things in the world. And you will bob your head to it. It's crazy. Like, imagine those. Like, you know, it's like, dude, yo, yo, I had seven chicks last night, seven bottles of Patron. I don't know if that's in a song, but that just came to me. I'm being led by the Spirit. <laughs> had seven chicks last night, seven bottles of Patron? And you be bobbing your head today? You're like, yeah, you heard it? Yeah. And if you really start thinking about it, like, who was that? Did you may as well change the liver? STD, I ain't got no liver. What? <laughs> Who wants to be in that song? I was number seven. I was number seven. No, our culture has lost its mind. What are we talking about? Nobody actually wants that. You know, it's, oh man, should I say it? May as well. It's in this, we're in this series. We're out there. I'm intrigued by guys. Not intrigued. It's interesting that a man will go to a strip club. The hypocrisy of it. Because he'll walk into a strip club in the name of having a good time with his friends. And if his sister or his niece was to come out on that pole, I promise you no bottles would be popping. I promise you you wouldn't be throwing no money. I love when y'all act like this doesn't exist. The outrage, the hypocrisy of it. Because that is somebody's sister. We've got to get the right image because we've lost something in the culture. That's majestic marriage. God wants you to have a majestic marriage. The second category of marriage is it is a mediocre marriage. It's a mediocre. How many of you have been married 20 years or more? Can I see your hand 20 years or more? Come on. Make some noise. It's amazing. 20 years or more. I don't want y'all to check out on this series either. Because you know how it is, especially, you know, because the people who've been married a while, they're like, oh, that's cute. Them young people, they love relationship series. <laughs> yeah, they need to get it together, babe. <laughs> but sometimes the longer you've been married, if you're not careful, become mediocre. Average. You just get comfortable. Just a transactional relationship comfortable. Become so obsessed with the kids, you don't even connect with each other. 
mediocre marriage. I, I use that word mediocre because it's average. I did not use the word mundane because, ooh, I hate to break it to you, there are aspects of marriage that will be mundane, which is like not a thrill. If you think every day of a relationship with the same person is, ah! You, can't, you, you cannot uphold that every day. Some days you come home because you're like, oh, girl, I can't wait to see you. And sometimes you come home because you live there. <laughs> and if you got the expectation that every day is going to be, woo, and every day is going to be lingerie and high heels, player, I got news for you. She's going to hit you with that not tonight robe and... <laughs> That facial mask. I'm tired. These kids got on my nerves today. <laughs> so make sure you got the right expectation. <laughs> and it's so funny because you can always tell young love because young love thinks that the louder it is, the more passionate it is, and the more substantive it is. But not necessarily. Just because it's loud doesn't mean it has depth. <laughs> There's a difference between a stream and an ocean. A stream can make a whole lot of noise. <laughs> but it's shallow. But an ocean can be calm but have so much depth. <laughs> and that only comes with time. That comes with putting some years in. So you don't want a mediocre marriage. And here's the third category, and this is the worst. It is miserable. Miserable marriages. Miserable relationship. A miserable relationship is when you're looking at your spouse so long that they feel you looking at them. They're like, what are you looking at? What are you thinking about? And you say, I'm just thinking about you. <laughs> and under your breath, you say, how good my life would be if you weren't in it. You're plotting how to kill them. Oh, yes. You know your pastor watches forensic files all the time. All the time. And 80% of the shows, it's the spouse. First, go straight to the spouse. Officer does. Because they were miserable. And what's funny is nobody goes to the altar and says, I want this to be good for five years and then turn miserable. Nobody says that. But the problem is, we don't understand that when you say, I do, it doesn't mean that you can. Just because you said, I do, it does not mean you're capable. Saying I do makes you accountable. Not capable. And when you are not capable and you're still accountable, sometimes you become miserable because you were great at making the vow and the promise, but you actually had no plan for how that was going to play out every day of your life. So that's the challenge of a marriage that is miserable. I want us over this next six weeks, this is just the intro, to get the right picture 
of marriage. I'm, I'm titling this message, Picture Perfect. Picture Perfect. Picture Perfect. And to be honest, I don't even like the way this whole setup is right now. I, I don't even like the way this whole setup is. Like, I'm not a fan of how this stage is set up. How many know God's going to blow our minds with a building? And when we have our own building, I'm going to design the stage. It's already in my head. The stage will have some type of steps so I can, yeah, I can get down. Because the other daunting task of teaching about marriage is the false notion that might creep into your cerebral cortex that because he's preaching about it and because he's a man of God, well, he, he's got it. Please! Now, we do celebrate 10 years this year. Hey, hey, hey. But please don't get it twisted. I'm in the fight too. And that's why I want steps on the stage because sometimes psychologically we look up to preachers and ministers and we think because they're on stage that they got it all together. And then they feel the weight of pretending like they got it all together. But let me make it clear. I like walking down here because sometimes I can let you know we right here. Same level. In the same fight. Got to have the same guardrails. And don't ever get mesmerized by a picture that is not a reality. See, it is easy. Can I sit right here by you, homie? It is easy to post a picture that is not a reality. Social media is so funny to me. Because we'll look at pictures and be like, oh, oh I want what they have. Yeah. So be, don't even know the story behind the picture. Yeah. Sometimes just to be funny, sometimes after me and Taylor have gotten a good, intense conversation, a spiritual language for argument. <laughs> sometimes I'll post a picture of us <laughs> just to be funny, to watch the comments go, oh, I want what they have. Do you? <laughs> Do you? Stop being mesmerized by a post. Behind the post is a story. Yes. Put up that first picture. Let's just go through memory lane. See that picture? That is when I proposed to then Taylor Mitchell, now Taylor Madu. It's a beautiful picture. Do you know the story behind that picture? She thought I was joking when I proposed because we dated for six years on and off for six years before we got to that moment. She didn't think I would ever do it. That's the story behind the picture. What's not in the picture is the six years of my fear of commitment. Wow. Hmm. My six years of dating, but still trying to keep my options open. Like some of you fellas are doing right now with somebody that's not your wife. And you're wasting her time because you don't have the courage to say you're not the one. That's what's not in the picture. And Taylor, who will speak in this series, Pastor Taylor, who will speak in this series, will also tell you what's not in that picture. Although I had my fear of commitment issues, there also had to be a healing in her. Because she said, there was a season when we were dating when I was expecting too much from you, and I wanted a savior, not a spouse. And nobody can come under the weight of being your savior. There is only one savior. His name is Jesus. And if you put the weight of being a savior on any human being, it will crush them and they will run away. 
Only God can fulfill the God-sized void that is in your heart. That's what's not in the picture. Go to the next picture. Ooh That's the wedding day. August 24, 2012. That's the day we said I do. I didn't know what I was saying I do too. She didn't know what she was saying I do too. Because that's not the full picture. We were dating. My apartment would be immaculate. So clean. Bed, bath, and beyond, candles. She's like, you're so clean. <laughs> now we married. <laughs> she sees the real story. Chaos everywhere. My side of the closet is always crazy. You see her frustrated just picking up my clothes and just throwing it all across the room. Pick up your stuff. Her favorite line is, I don't have three kids. I have four because I got to pick up after you. <laughs> I'm like, leave it where it is, okay? How many like me? Like, it's organized chaos. You know where it is. And when I'm ready to get it, it'll be real, real clean. I just need it there for me. <laughs> That's not in the picture. Can you go to the next picture? That was from date night this week. Go to that other picture. Yeah. That's my favorite picture. That's my favorite picture because that picture was taken during one of the most difficult seasons of our marriage. The smile in that picture was preceded by a lot of tears, preceded by a lot of pain, preceded looking at a therapist trying to work through issues of communication. And that smile in that picture came after a whole bunch of tears. And that season of that picture, you could never told me that we would ever be doing a series on relationships. That's the story behind the picture. But here's what trips me out. If you put all those pictures on there, we're smiling in all of them. And yet there's a story behind each picture. This is what trips me out because we look at what people post and we don't know the story behind it. It is amazing to me. Maybe I'm weird. When I see a marriage that didn't make it or a relationship that broke up, if you go to the Instagram page, there's no pictures of them choking each other. There's no Insta stories of them going, I can't stand you. It's pictures that look like that. Because we have a generation that's become so good at curating an image and they don't want to do the work on the relationship. Hear me when I tell you, relationships take work. Relationships take work. If you want a song about relationships, the psalmist gave it to us. Work, 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 work. I don't even know what's in between, but that's all the mess of a relationship that's in between it. And then you got to work, work, work. Stay in love, stay married, you have to work. And nobody shows you that. Disney don't never show the story of the work. I can't even watch Disney movies with my kids no more because I am frustrated at the plot. 
We know y'all loved each other at the beginning, and all we get is just the end with the castle. No, I want to see. I want to see. Did Aladdin get a job, or did he keep freeloading off of Jasmine the whole time? Add it to the story. I want to know. I want to know, Ariel, did it really work out? Or did you ever just wish, I wish I could get my fins back and go right back into this water? I'm sick. I want to know. Belle, did you get frustrated with the beast? And just start singing a new song. Get up out my house. Oh, that's a whole new world. I jacked up the song. You knew what I meant, though. We, we got to get the right picture. And we got to work. As I land the plane, I want to give you four things from the book of Genesis where God gives us the picture of the first relationship and where God speaks for the first time. Four things that you gotta know if you're ever going to have a truly picture perfect. The only way it can be picture perfect is if your eyes are set on the one who is perfect and you get his vision for relationship. Genesis chapter two, let's look at it, just the first verse of Genesis chapter two. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. You want a picture-perfect marriage? You want a picture-perfect relationship? Number one, write this down. You've got to be good with just God. You've got to be good with just God. Everything God created in the creation narrative. Remember, Genesis chapter 1 is like the cliff note version. In Genesis chapter 2, we get specifics. Everything God created, he always made the environment precede the entity. The atmosphere was conducive for whatever anatomy was going to be placed in the atmosphere. First, he creates the sky, then the stars. The stars have to stay in that atmosphere. Start, if you get out that atmosphere, you're going to become a meteorite and die. you got to stay in the atmosphere. He creates the soil and then puts vegetation in the soil. You got to stay in that soil. If you get disconnected, you are going to wither and die. The environment is important. He creates all of the water first and then puts the fish in the water. Fish, if you start feeling free willy and you jump up out of this blue water and you try to go up in the sky because you think it's just as blue and you want to do you, you are going to die because you need that environment to survive. But he creates man and puts him where? In a garden. Why? Because relationships are work. The imagery is the garden. A garden must be cultivated, it must be tended, and it must be worked. A garden must be, you don't have a garden by accident. Every single garden is a planned out space that must be consistently cultivated and tended. You got to check for weeds. You got to check for snakes. You got to constantly look at the vegetation and go, what is nibbling on this? Is this a rabbit? Do I, what, what is it? You have to guard it. Puts him in the garden and he puts him in his presence. But Adam is created before Eve. That's what we find out in Genesis 2. Adam is created before Eve. So God is saying in the text, you want a picture-perfect relationship? You got to be good with just me. This is how every great relationship starts. With you all by yourself. That's how it starts. 
You got to be good with just God. It is amazing how many people want a godly relationship and a godly marriage, and they don't want to have a relationship with God first. If you don't have a consistent, vibrant relationship with God, you will not have a godly marriage. You will not have a godly friendship. It starts with you being fine, just being alone in his presence, just connecting with him. You got to get to the place where you say, I am good with just God. I'm fulfilled in him. It's amazing how many people are by themselves and like, oh my God, I gotta find somebody, I gotta find somebody, I gotta find somebody. And I'm like, if you don't like you, boo, if you don't like hanging out with you, why are you gonna drag somebody into the misery? You gotta like hanging out with you and you gotta have a relationship with God. One of the judgments that John writes to one of the churches is that you have forsaken your first love. Your first love. So you want a healthy relationship? You have to be good with just God. Adam is alone with just God, and he's good. Number two, hear me, you have to have clarity of purpose. It wasn't like he was just out there twiddling his thumbs and playing Xbox. God said, I want you to work this ground and cultivate it. Work preceded the fall of man. So not only is he good with just God, he's got clarity of purpose. What good is it for you to be obsessed with finding a person if you don't know your purpose? If you don't know the thing that God has put you on this earth to do, what is your purpose? There's a difference between your purpose and your calling. A purpose remains. Calling will change. My purpose is to obey God and to glorify God and to love him and to serve others. That will always be my purpose, to obey God and to glorify God, to love and serve others. That is my purpose. That is your purpose. We have a general purpose, but how many know our calls are specific? Purpose is the destination. Calling is the car, and the car will change, but you got to be committed to the purpose even when God switches the call. But if you don't know your purpose, ooh, you do not need a person. Do you want to know what a nightmare is? A nightmare is being emotionally attached to a person that is pulling you away from your purpose. If you want to know the pain of crying yourself to sleep tonight, then connect your life to somebody that is pulling you away from the thing that God has put you on this earth to do. Can I shout and just thank God for my wife who is always pushing me into my purpose, pushing me into my call, pushing me into my destiny. In moments y'all don't even see when I'm feeling insecure, she says, you were born for this. God created you to preach the gospel. I need somebody that's not going to fight me on my purpose. That's the trick of the enemy. Get you so emotionally tied to somebody that it's like, all right, I guess I won't go to church. And they pull you away from your purpose. You know you're mature, especially when you're dated. When you see somebody that's pulling you away from your purpose and you're able to look at them and say, God bless you. It was so good getting to know you. I'm fine because you pulling me away from my purpose and I'm more committed to my purpose than you. Yeah. Clarity of purpose. He's working the ground. The third thing, now this one jacks me up. Put Genesis back up there real quick. Genesis chapter 2, it says, the Lord God said, what? It is not good for man to be alone. Who said it? Who? Oh, God noticed it wasn't good for him to be alone. Adam was not in the garden talking about, when you going to give me a woman? No. God noticed it. God saw the need. Now, this is where it gets tricky. Because I'm like, God, if you see the need, that it's not good for me to be alone, and I need somebody, you would think that the next verse would be, here comes Eve. Hello. 
You said it's not good for me to be alone. Fix it. <laughs> what does God do? He says, uh, I'll make a help, helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild, what? Animals and birds in the sky. God is crazy. He says, I know <laughs> it's not good for you to be alone, but you ain't getting a woman yet. You get animals. Because I want to see if you know how to properly steward a platonic relationship. I use that SAT word on purpose. A platonic relationship is a friendship that is not romantic or physically intimate. Stop asking God to give you a romantic relationship when you can't even steward good friendships. How are you going to be a good spouse and you're a horrible friend? you do with the giraffe first. Now go out there and take care of the orangutans. She's coming. But let's see how you steward those relationships. Let me make sure you don't look at an animal and say, oh, I need to be with that. <laughs> Can you steward a platonic relationship? Your emotional health is contingent upon how you interact with people that are just platonic relationships. It's no physical intimacy. We're just friends. This is why you need to get a connect group. You need a friend. And a friend that thinks different than you so you don't think your opinion is the word of God. A friend that'll support you when you're going through a tough time. Just a friend. I know we dated for six years, but I was so glad for the six years because there is a level of stalking that is healthy. Because you need to watch how they treat their friends. How do they treat people that can do nothing for them? You going off on a waiter? You going off because a drink didn't come out on time? I know you about to go off on me. Can you steward platonic relationships? Is this helping anybody? I'm done. Number four. Babe, come up here and worship team. Join me. You got to also learn the art of resting and releasing. Resting and releasing. What did God do with Adam? He saw that he was good with just God. He saw that he had clarity of purpose. He's working and tending and cultivating. He saw that he was good with platonic relationships. I can steward the relationships with animals. And then finally, at the right time, God puts Adam. He does it. Puts him into a deep sleep. That Hebrew word for sleep is a word that means it is so deep of a sleep, you are disconnected from the earthly realm. It's true rest. You will not ever have a successful relationship if you are consistently busy. Busyness destroys intimacy. It'll destroy intimacy with God. It'll destroy intimacy with your spouse. If you're so busy. Adam wasn't striving, he was resting. And while he rested, God was doing the first C-section in human history, taking his rib and creating the thing that he needed. Resting and releasing. 
sleep, but also sacrifice. If Adam wasn't in a deep sleep, he would have woke up and said, don't, 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 what you doing, my real? But he was so rested that he trusted God. But he did lose something. That word rib is actually properly denotated to just mean he took something from his side. He took his side. Which means if he was committed to holding on to his side, he wouldn't have had a spouse. You got to be willing to give up your side if a relationship's going to work. Resting and releasing. What do I mean by releasing? Quick to forgive. Forgiving without residual anger. This will help you in any relationship. You cannot even rest when you won't forgive. You got to release your side and your opinion. Hear me. You will not have a fruitful relationship or marriage if you don't learn how to take an L. If you always got to be right, be ready to always be by yourself. Because you got to release. And once he rested and released, he wakes up and I love it because he says, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. That's actually a poem. It is the first recorded song in Genesis chapter 2. If you look at it in the original language, Adam starts singing when he sees her. He says, bone, 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 flesh of my flesh. I don't know how he sang it, but he started singing it. his side because she was there not to compete with him to compliment him and by compliment I don't mean you look good although I'll take it it's compliment with an E like you compliment me you know the beauty of marriage is to have somebody that compliments you do you know how opposite we are, but we complement each other? You see how opposite we are? <laughs> we complement. <laughs> so different. We go to the beach, you looking for the sun, I'm looking for the shade. <laughs> Doing all kinds of magic tricks with filters, trying to get the light right. I need the light, she can't be washed out, but we complement. She is quick to love. She loves everybody. She is not looking at you sideways. Just loves you. I have got to figure out if I love you first. But we compliment. She, she challenges me to love more. I challenge her to say, hold up now. Some people are crazy. Check them first. Compliment. Not compete. The beauty of marriage, a picture-perfect marriage, it's a marriage that says, we might not always see eye to eye, but we're always going to hold hands. And even when we can't, if I will fall more in love with Jesus and love Jesus more than I love her, if she will fall more in love with Jesus and love Jesus more than she loves me, 
that's the only way we'll make it. That's the only way we'll make it. That is the only way. I close with this, hear me. The church has messed this up because we've taken on the ways of the world trying to find the right person. The Bible will not help you find the right person. I'm sorry, you will not have a scripture for who you're supposed to date or marry. But the Bible will help you become the right person. It'll help you become the right person because the more you seek him, you will become the one that you are looking for. And if you're already married, keep becoming who they were, who they thought you were when you married them. Keep growing and falling more in love with him. He then says, for this cause, for this cause, will a man leave his mother and father and the two become one. Hold up. For this cause, a man will leave his mother and father. Adam doesn't have a mother or father. For this cause, what is he saying? He's speaking to the future to remind you, this is the last point, that your relationship, your marriage is the highest priority. That once you get married, every other relationship comes second to that relationship. Some of you have messed up so many relationships because your mama has something to say about them, because your girlfriend had, who is single has something to say about it, and you allowed that relationship to take priority over your marriage. God says this is a new order. This is the highest relationship, so you need priority. Then he says, and the two were naked and unashamed. Vulnerability. Vulnerability. Vulnerability is me giving you a gun and praying you don't turn it on me and shoot me. I know stuff about her that none of y'all know. She knows stuff about me that nobody else knows. And marriage is often loving somebody when they are the most unlovely. This is what our Savior did for us. He loved us when we were the most unlovely. He loved us to make us lovely. And how many know you can give a lot of love when you're receiving a lot of love from one place? And there's going to be times where you got to give love when you're getting it the least. If you have that vulnerability and it's a priority, don't let anybody separate what God has joined together. Would you stand to your feet today? I went longer than I should. Father, I pray today over these next six weeks, God, that we would renew our minds. Help us get the right picture. God, don't let us define relationships the way the culture does. God, we live in a culture that is obsessed with personal happiness. We live in a culture that is quick to walk away and won't fight through it. We live in a culture that doesn't even know how to communicate. We speak in tweets. We speak in comments. We don't even know how to listen anymore. God, would you restore relationships? God, not just marriages, restore relationships between fathers and sons, between mothers and daughters, between friends who've walked away because they didn't want to work through the conflict. God, breathe life into relationships, God. We are willing to do the work.
with our eyes on you, the author and the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name. We would like to thank you for being a part of our social global family. Please head to our website, socialdallas.online, and see the many ways you can stay connected with us from around the world. Thank you.